wrestling fans, our latest audio documentary, Slang Satiev, went live last Monday. You can listen to all five episodes now on this platform. That's Slang Satiev, a five-part audio documentary on the biggest upset in Olympic wrestling history. So I'm like, you know, when I, when I went out there, I just focused on myself and just getting better and having fun. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Our guest today is one of the great college wrestlers of all time, Ed Ruth, three-time national champion, he was also on four Penn State team championships. This guy knows greatness. He also went on to have a successful MMA career fighting in Bellator out of the great AKA gym where Khabib and Daniel Cormier train. So this guy's seen a lot of great coaches, a lot of great athletes, and I can't wait for you to hear Ed Ruth's story. As you know now, folks, Ed is the assistant coach at the University of Illinois, and everybody here on the land of Lincoln is very excited about that. Before we get into it, fan of the week goes to Caden Mango, one of our younger listeners. Thank you so much, Caden. We appreciate it. Folks, this podcast is presented by Spartan Combat. Yanni Diakamahal's signature clothing line is now live at SpartanCombat.com. Check it out. Spartan Combat is the premier sponsor of this podcast, so we thank them greatly and hope that you support Spartan Combat at SpartanCombat.com. Folks, as a quick heads up, we pick up this interview with Ed Ruth talking about his sophomore year in high school. What was the, uh, you know, talk us through your sophomore year, kind of making that jump to, to getting down to Hershey and, and ultimately making it on the podium. I mean, like my sophomore year is when I kind of figured out, I was like, okay, I got a little talent for this. I'm the only guy on the team who made it this state. So <laughs> like that probably, that's, that should mean something, but it was, yeah, man, I feel like my, my sophomore year is where like, I really kind of like buckled down. And I, I started just kind of getting into my workouts. My mom was my mom was really helpful too. She was she was going around looking for guys to help me train. And you know she would find this guy, bring him over early in the morning. I had to get up like before school and then go run on the treadmill. But you know when I took it serious, that's when I was like, okay, yeah, I, I definitely see a future in this. I see myself doing this in college. You know, and that's why everything just kind of like started falling into place after that. So were you the first one in your family that wrestled? Uh, yeah. Got it. And so your mom, you know, didn't have a lot of experience with it, but she was out there looking for workout partners for you, like at, throughout high school, you said? 
Well, she was finding coaches. So she was, she was like, oh, we found this coach here. We find this coach there. And by the end of it, man, I, I probably was coached by like half of Pennsylvania. So <laughs> like I had, you know, I had boxing as a coach. Then I had Mariah, Chris Pryor. Um, I had Bob, uh, man, Coach D. There was just so many. And that, and the thing that really helped me out a lot was I had so many coaches to pull from and they all taught me a different way and they all had different things that were more important to them. And I guess that really helped my style because instead of me just kind of taking on something and then kicking the other thing out, I just kept adding everything, adding it, adding it. And then it just kind of, instead of me just like completely readjusting my whole style, it was more like I was making like tiny little adjustments, but it, each time it got a little bit better. And so you just kind of took everything you could from folks and you know at the practice itself in high school were you challenged often or was it something where you were kind of the class of the class of the room so to speak um when I was in high school I, I didn't really feel like I was that much challenged in my in my uh at the public school that I was at but when I first started out um when I was in elementary I started out at CD and over there, all those guys were beating me. And then, and then my mom would, she would also take me out of my, um, the Susquehanna High School room and now go over to, a, it was called Rising Star, which was another club. And then there was another club called in Cumberland Valley that I would go out and I would just wrestle with those guys. And those guys, you know, those, those guys gave me a real challenge. Like a lot of those guys, some of those, some of them were beating me. Other guys were just right there with me. And I was just almost neck and neck with them. And did you wrestle a lot of freestyle in the summers? Uh, no. I didn't like freestyle too much. I didn't even, I, I really didn't like Greco, <laughs> but you know, I, I did it. Um, I never placed at Fargo though, actually. So you went though all, all three years or all four years of high school? I think I went three years of high school, but I, I never placed. Wow. Yep, never placed. But your sophomore and junior years of high school, I had read on like PA Power that you were undefeated both years going in and both years you had a showdown with Quentin Wright in the semis. So let's just talk through that a little bit. I mean, cause obviously you guys were on a college team together and you know, both mm -hmm. ended up being national champs, but man, that's just how deep the, the Pennsylvania tournament is. What do you remember about those semifinal matchups? Um, Man, I just I just remember looking at Quentin Wright thinking like, man, this cat is long. <laughs> just had these long, gangly legs and long arms. And I was like, geez. <laughs> and, and it's funny because every time I wrestled him, it's like you don't have anybody that's going to actually help you get ready for Quentin Wright. It's, nobody has those body dimensions or move or wrestle like him. So every time I would go out, out there and wrestle, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to leave it all on the table and see what happens. <laughs> but, but those were those were fun times for me, honestly, because I could see, I could look in the paper and I would see my picture and they'll be like, Oh, um, Ed Root going to States. Um, and everybody was just kind of waiting for that matchup to happen. So that was kind of cool. Man. I could just only imagine if you were a, a Pennsylvania wrestling fan, knowing that you guys met in the semis your sophomore year. And from what I read, you were kind of a surprise took out a guy in the quarters who had gotten second the year before. And then mm. your junior year, it's like, oh shit, here's the big rematch. And, you know, brackets are announced at state. Lo and behold, you guys meet up again in the semis. So I got to imagine those were just some crazy, crazy, crazy matchups um, back at they Hershey. Were. They were. So how did you end up going to Blair as a senior? Um, my coach, Marat Tomiov, he, um, he was teaching the club. It was him and Chris Pryor. They were teaching the club. It was called Iron Eagle. And he used to go to Blair. He knew Buxton and everything. So he kind of got me in contact with Buxton. I talked with him 
And then I went out and I actually saw the school. I wrestled around with the guys on the team and I, I just really liked it. So, you know, we got, we got the talking and then they sent me out there and then we worked out, we worked out the whole situation where I was able to attend there and go to school, but I only did one year. Cause usually they expect you to do like another post-grad year or a repeat year when you go there. But I was like, no, I just want to do one year. And that's it. <laughs> and did you live there? Um, I, yeah, I was boarding there. What is that experience? Like living, like living with all these kids who outside of the wrestling team, a lot of them are just from all over the world. Right. Oh man. It's, it's crazy. Cause it, it's, it's just like college, just like college. Cause there was a lot of Chinese kids there. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of Chinese kids. There was, um, some black, they were like, like you said, they were all over the world. Um, but it was just, it, it was just so different because I never lived away from home. I never went, to me, this was like a, a forever, um, what do you call that? Forever sleepover. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, I never have to come home. I was like, this is crazy. And they put us on a block schedule, which is like, just like college type, college things. We, it was, um, it wasn't, it wasn't a uniform school, but there was a dress code. So we had to wear ties or some type of college shirt, khaki pants. So it was it was a big life changer for me. It was like, man, this is this is the real deal. I'm like at a school where they like, you know, what I mean, like when you're in public school and then you go to private school and it's a private boarding school, it's like world world of difference, man. World of difference. I wasn't I wasn't ready for it, but I just kind of adjusted. How long did it take you? Um, man, probably like my half the half the year after that school year. Just, just cause it, just cause it was weird. Cause like, you know, when you have the block schedule, you, you go to school, like um, when I go to, when I was in public school, I already had my whole schedule, my whole routine, everything was worked out. But when you go to, when I was doing the block schedule, it's like, okay, so I go to this class only Monday and Tuesday. Then I go to this one on only Tuesdays and, and Fridays and this one. And then it just kind of threw me off. Cause I was like, man, I'm always looking at my schedule. I'm always trying to keep up with this. And I'm always late to something. Cause I'm, you know, cause you're like, man, I finally got a week. You're like, I finally got a minute to take a break. And then you're just sitting there watching the movie. You're like, damn, I got a class, you know? <laughs> <laughs> And you guys would have to eat dinner together too, right? Yeah, we it was um we we had like regular school lunches where the whole school would eat. But then there was um I think it was Thursday night dinners where they would have the whole school everybody would dress up in formal attire. We would go out we'll go into the main um dining hall and then every the whole school would be there. All the grades and then they would have teachers sitting at the end of every table and then everybody would just sit there conversate, eat food. We all had the same thing. Dude, it kind of sounds like the Hogwarts Hall and like the Harry Potter oh, yeah. movie. Yeah, it was a lot like that. It was, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and so what about the great Jeff Buxton? He's been on the show. You know, he's uh, just one of the greatest coaches, I think, that we've had at the high school level, maybe ever. Um, just an amazing guy. What about his philosophy really sticks stuck with you as you went into college? Um, Man, he just, man, he gave me so much. I, I can't even tell you how much he gave me. But he just he just had such a good way of like teaching. It's just he made it stick. And a lot I had a lot of coaches that would teach me something. I just couldn't get the technique or whatever. But when Buxton showed you, he just knew what to tell you and what to kind of focus on just to kind of get that talk, just to get to the lock in the technique. And and I, I feel like 
when I was in, when I was at Penn State, whenever somebody would show me something, like I would, I literally would think about it and break it down the way that Buxton would do it. Like I was like, okay, how would Buxton think about this? How would he break this down? Like how would this, how would he, how would he try to put this technique into someone, you know? And so is it like the way he like broke it down into different steps or would you guys just drill it in different ways? He will break it down the, into steps, but then like he will make us drill. Um, I just remember every time I was in there, I just didn't want to upset Bucks. <laughs> I would drill hard. <laughs> I was like, I'm not getting hit today. <laughs> but I would, yeah, I would drill hard all the time. But he, and it was just his demeanor too. Like he, he didn't let a guy come in and just drag ass and drag everybody else down. He was like, you know what? Before you even get into the room, everybody has their shoes on. Everybody has their shoes tied up. It's not like you're getting here at the, at, at, the, um, at practice time and then you're, and then you're going to start practice it then you're going to start tying up your shoes he was like no you get everything correct by the time you hit the door and then when you're in the room it's nothing but wrestling and he was really good at just setting everybody up men- mentally just saying this is wrestling time everything else doesn't matter just get your ass out there and wrestle man i love how he doesn't let guys in the room until they're ready like got their shoes on but mentally too yeah that's amazing and so yeah i mean every everything you you think about buxton is he just makes you become more of a professional like he's just all about the business you know gets things yeah. done so you start wrestling for him was your debut tournament that iron man tournament that year that was one of them oh, uh man. I, honestly i think that i think that was the one that was in the beginning i think that was the first one that we wrestled and that that one I, I didn't really know what i was walking into i was like what the hell is iron man because i that was my first time what? actually going there i did not know about it and then when they they just threw us in it and then my mom was like, if you win this, then you'll be number one in the country for your weight class. And I was like, oh, so that's Iron Man. So, <laughs> of course, I, I, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to try and win it. And I won it. It's funny. Some guys we have on here who were at your level, you know, super dominant. They knew everything about everybody. But then there's guys like you where you were you know, known to say, I don't know much about the guy I'm wrestling. And <laughs> even so much to say that, like, you know, you weren't even like super detailed on Kale's background before he got to Penn, Penn State. No. And so, like, going into the Ironman, you weren't, like, a guy who knew everybody in the bracket. You just kind of showed up and went for it. Just showed up and went for it. It's just a better way to attack anything in life. Like, when you're just too bogged down by the details, then you just think too much. And, and this is a whole bunch of, of noise and rabble that just kind of comes into your head and you're paying attention to all the wrong things. So I'm like, you know, when I, when I went out there, I just focused on myself and just getting better and having fun. And you, you know, had a great senior year, rolled through, you know, I wouldn't say rolled through the Ironman, but, you know, that's a great term, won the Ironman. And this is after you had never placed higher than fourth in the PA State Tournament. Like, that's how tough that tournament is. And then you come out here for a national schedule and you win the Ironman. It's like, God, Pennsylvania is so deep. (laughs) You know, it's like crazy. There's a lot of hidden gems in there. Mm -hmm. Guys are like, you'll never make it out to a, Kind of reminds me of like Dagestan. I'm sure there's a ton of guys in Dagestan that just never make it out who are on the level with a lot of guys who are at the world championships. Yeah. yeah. So you end up going to Penn State, obviously, but I love how when you initially committed there, it wasn't even when Kale was the head coach. Is that right? Yeah, it was. Uh, I committed to Choice Southern. Talk about learning about Kale coming in. Like, was it during the summer you found out he was coming in or like, how did that all transpire? Um, I, I committed to Penn state cause I, I remember, I, I think I signed a letter of intent and 
then there was this whole debacle where uh, they were like, your coach just got fired. And they're like, they're bringing in a new coach. And I'm like, who are they bringing in? And they're like, oh, you might have one of the brand's brothers. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, they work hard. I work hard. I can deal with that. Then they were like, oh, you can have somebody else. And then lastly, they were like, oh, you can have Kale. And I'm like, who is Kale? <laughs> they're like, bro, you're wearing, I had his shoes sitting right on the desk behind me. And they're like, who is Kale? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, bro, he's wearing his shoes. <laughs> and, then, and then I didn't I didn't actually watch videos on him until I got there. And then I wrestled him. And then, you know, of course, he beat me up. And then I'm like, who the hell is <laughs> you know, I go on, I go online, I go look at his videos, watching them just dominate everybody. I'm like, oh, so this is my coach, you know. So it's kind of a situation I fell into. So what it what was that first workout? Was it like like a summer workout or like you had been in school and you guys were just getting in the room the first time you scrapped with Kale, like in a wrestling coaching? Yeah, we, it was just like during the summertime. And then he came in because he came in my retro year. So Oh, so you were already there a year? I was there. No, I got there my retro years when he came in. Okay. Because I, I committed to the first coach. And then as as they were firing him and bringing in a whole new culture regime, that's when I first got there to Penn State. So I was never there when Matt Derling was there. I mean, um, I wasn't there when Troy Sutherland was there. I, I, I came there afterwards. So I had Cam the whole, the whole time. The whole time. And it's just amazing that, you know, you, you're feeling good about yourself going into your freshman year and you, you work out with him at a practice. And then, like, what kind of field does he bring when you're wrestling Kale? It's, it's weird because he, he's, he's a guy who keeps such good position that he, you just make a mistake just wrestling him. It's almost like a chess player. You know, as soon as you make one move on a chess board, then he's like checkmate. And you're like, what the hell? You know what I mean? It was like that kind of, <laughs> I was like, every time I step my foot somewhere, he ankle picked me or, or, you know, he finds some way to throw me to my back and he wouldn't even be tired after the whole thing. Usually I'm, I'm used to getting guys tired and, you know, he would just roll, do his thing and then he'll be done. But it, but it wasn't just him. It was, it was my other coach named Casey. And Casey, I was, I was like, you know what, before the end of the year, because I, I wanted to start small, I was like, before the end of the year, I'm going to beat Casey. Then I'm going to go after Kale. You know, I was looking at my coaches. I was like, I'm trying to get all these guys. And, it, and I remember, I'll never forget it. Casey held me down for about a half hour straight because I remember looking at the clock. I'm like, damn, I'm still on bottom. I look at the clock again. I'm like, I'm still on bottom. And then he's, you know, he finally lets me up. And I'm just like, I'm just like defeated. And he just looks at me. He's like, you could be a national champ. And I, man, I thought it was the biggest low to be. That's I heard. <laughs> I, was like, man, I was like, a national champ when I got up. <laughs> Had you thought about that before, like being a national champ? Um, my whole goal was to become an All-American because the deal that I had when I first went to Penn State, it wasn't on the full ride. It was, it was about 80%. And they told me that if I become All-American, then they will bump me up the full ride. And, you know, and Kel, Kel was an awesome guy about that. He even honored that deal and everything. But, yeah, when I, when I first came in, it, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't like like everything was set up. You know, I still had to earn it in a way. But, like, you weren't one of those guys that came in saying four-time national champ, four-time Big Ten champ. You came in confident but just, you know, had set your goals initially on becoming an All-American to get that full ride. Yeah, I was like, I just want to be an All-American. But as I, as I was on the team, you know, it was, it was, um, and I'm a competitive person. I, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't always admit that, but I am a competitive person. And I knew that as I was wrestling with my teammates on the team, I was like, I didn't want to be the only guy in the lineup that would like lose. 
you know, I just didn't want to be the weak link. <laughs> like, I'm out here getting pinned and everybody else is winning. I was like, I didn't want to be that guy. I, I, I wanted to bring something to the team rather than just be the guy just coasting along for the ride. How did Kale talk about goal setting? Um, he would just have us write out our goals. He talked to us about it. You know, he would sit us down and be like, okay, what do you want to do this year? Like, what are your goals? Like, do you want to, you know, be a good wrestler, just get good grades, um, you know, get stronger, get bigger. And they, they would just sit you, they sit you down, talk to you, and then they all just trying to help you work slowly towards those goals. And then, like, once you actually get in the room, you know, who were, like, some of your three-man groups when you first got there? Like, Quentin Wright, was, like, David Taylor there? I mean, what were some of those scraps like early on? Um, I wrestled a lot with, um, I think his last name is James, Irwin. Okay. Irwin. I, I want to say Erwin James. He's going to be so mad if he hears this podcast. I got his name wrong. <laughs> but it was it was him, Dan Valamont. Um, Quentin was there as well. So I always I always wrestle in that group right there. And then later on, like as the years progressed, it was like me, me and Quentin. There was me and Matt Brown, me and um, Morgan McIntosh. I was always like with the with the guys around my weight, but higher. Mm-hmm. And Coach Kate, you know, Coach Cunningham doesn't look like a guy, a guy's that big, but he would go in there and just roll with you guys right through. I mean, he was that solid. He's, he's not big. He's just freakishly strong. Like, you know, he's just like really freakishly strong. When you have that guy on top of you, you, you will feel it. You'll be like, man, he feels almost superhuman. Dude, whenever I ask someone, uh, I've, I've had a couple of guys from Penn State on, Phil Davis, Aaron Ansbach, and I'm like, bro, what's the secret in there? They go, you know, don't sleep on Casey Cunningham because he might be the guy who's making <laughs> making it all go. Yeah. Uh, so, if, you know, if I look at your career from afar, some of the big turning points we talked about, like sophomore year, getting on the podium at Pennsylvania States, senior year, going to Blair. And then a big turning point was after your redshirt freshman year, you, you come in as a redshirt freshman, make the lineup, and then you end up taking out Mac Lunas. I think that was early in that year. But like, what was like the big transition be- between your freshman year and then your redshirt freshman year to, that ultimately put you on the third place podium at the NCAA tournament? Um, I was, uh, I was, I was watching more videos, but I started watching, like I was watching wrestling videos and then I started watching, um, like different videos, like, um, there's some of the other ones, like I would watch, uh, like boxers. Boxers would, they would run around the ring and they would be light on their feet for about a good half hour. And I'm like, man, how can they do that? And I'm just on this mat for seven minutes and I'm exhausted. You know, and I, I started paying attention to their workouts, their conditioning. Um, then I just started, and like from, it was, that was, I remember boxing was the first thing that I looked at. And then after that, I just kind of started branching out. And I just went into a lot of weird directions, but it just seemed like there was something to pick up from everywhere. And then when I was, um, especially over the summer when I was running camps, I had, I had the opportunity of like running so many camps and that I would just teach the kids and then I would wrestle around with the kids. It would be like a half hour, just like getting on the mats and wrestling. And then once I got back to college, after that whole summer, since I've been wrestling all summer long, I just felt like I knew everything. Like mm-hmm. I just knew the technique that much better because I was teaching it all summer long. And then I was, then I was wrestling it, doing it. And then I came back to college and I just felt like, man, I got this. This is down pat. They always say that, you know, that when you become a coach, you understand it more. So that was something that really jumped out to you. 
uh, it, it's definitely true because as a coach, I don't care about the results. When I go in the room, I just want this guy to get better. So I'm just, I'm going in there. I'm trying everything. I'm a little bit more, I'm more relaxed. And that's just the better, better way to wrestle. And I, when you're wrestling, you're competing and then you never know what's going on. You're either cutting weight. Um, this guy's too big. Some guy's too small. Uh, you, you feel awful because you just don't have, you just, you just didn't have breakfast that morning or you, you, you're down to the end of your weight cut. You just don't have the weight. Like all that, all that affects your training. And whenever, and when I was a coach, you know, or when I was just being a camp counselor, I, I could be as fat as I wanted to be. You know, <laughs> I could have a beer gut if I wanted to. <laughs> it didn't matter. I was just out there wrestling. You know, they have to carry my weight and it just it made it a lot easier. That's interesting that that is what you attribute that to. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, you think about how, I mean, how in demand a Penn State wrestler must be for summer camps. You must have been going all the time. Uh, I'm, I probably did about, it started probably like 10 camps one summer. And then it kind of like would move up, you know, 10 camps and 15. And it was just, and I was, I would drive to them and then drive home or fly to them and fly home. And so like when you're driving home from a camp and like, you're starting to like, your mind's starting to wonder, were you a big guy who like visualized like matches or like, how would you like, kind of think about things between the ears um <laughs> i think as soon as as soon as the the year was over near it was summertime i didn't think about wrestling at all <laughs> like unless i was doing freestyle or something like that other than that i wasn't thinking about wrestling i was just trying to like be social hang with my friends but it helped a lot because it took my mind off of wrestling that way when i came back to it, it i just felt fresh I didn't feel like I was just constantly being beat over the head with the same technique. Like I could go to a camp, I could run the camp, like do the technique, think about it. And then after I left, like that was it. I wouldn't think about it, leave it alone. And then somebody else will call me for a camp then I go out and do it again. But it was just like, it gave me a time to just keep taking those mental breaks. Cause some people are mentally always in wrestling then their expectations of themselves get high. And then like, that's where all the anxiety and the hesitation comes from. And like, I just, Everything felt like it was new every single day because it was just like, okay, I worked on this a few times, but I just learned something new because I've been doing it so many times. So now I'm going to try something a little bit different. And I just kept adding and adding and, you know, taking those breaks whenever I needed them. And you come back excited about it. You know, you're not like dragging through another season because you've been thinking about it all summer. Yeah. And I, I, I really believe that a lot of guys get burnt out. They kind of just wrestling just becomes this monotonous thing because you're constantly like how many guys look to change their style they're always consistently trying to improve on the things that they know how to do but that and that means doing the same thing that you've always been doing but when I went there I kept trying to change something and be, make it more my style rather than have the coaches coach me into a, a certain cookie cutter type technique which you know it works yeah because that's what how they define wrestling but everybody defines wrestling differently for themselves you know, and I was like, okay, well, so what's my definition of it? So then I took that out to the mat. And I've heard you say in past interviews that Penn State and the coaches there, they were big on like letting you kind of figure it out, giving you some guide rails, but really it was on you to, to own it and, and kind of track your development through the season. Yeah. And I like that because it, it like, instead of just having something hammered into me, it was like, it was the material that I understood and I knew it well and that, and they gave me time to wrestle with it. And then, and then on top of it, they were like, okay, so this is what you like to do. So this might help. And they would add more onto it just from their perspective. And I was like, I really like that coaching style because it's just like, 
I believed in it more than I would than I would believe in like, oh, snap double leg. Okay, well, he told me to snap double leg, you know. I believed in it more because I was like, okay, well, when I snap double leg, now I'm gonna snap, move him a little bit, double, but then I'll fake it and double again, you know, and then I started adding my my own my my own steps into it. I love the uh the idea of just owning it and that way you take more pride in it if it's your own, you know, and you're kind of developing yourself. One of the coolest things I'll, I'll, and the last thing I'll ask you about Penn State, but one of the coolest things I remember from Kale first getting there is the bet he made with you guys that if you guys won the team title, he would come out of retirement. Tell us, like, talk us through this whole thing because this is one of the craziest things I remember. Um, like, when did you hear about it for the first time? I heard about it when he had the singlet on. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, like, but, think about that. Retire in 04 and come back, was it 2011, I think, and he steps uh, back out there. He still makes the world team. Beats out Herbert, which, which was crazy. I was like, man, he still got it. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Did you, you know, after you won your first one, you got third as a freshman, one as a sophomore, one as a junior. Were you someone who, you know, you were so dominant. Did you have trouble finding motivation to keep the edge going like your senior year? And I mean, you still dominated, but was that something you ever had like internal discussions about with yourself? Uh, I did. I did get to a rough patch. Um, there was a there was a time in my season where I was just like, man, this is just so like wearing on me. And I think it was my it was my junior year. And, you know, the coaches, they were pretty understanding about it. They're like, you know, what? if you need to take a week off, take a week off. So and, and there was just they would just kind of give me the room and space just to kind of re- recalibrate myself. Yeah, And I remember Kel came over to me one time, just sat down. He's like, look, you look tired. He's like, just get out of here. Go recollect yourself and then come back fresh. Man, that's amazing that they, they would allow that to happen. I mean, not surprising, but, you know, knowing how successful they've been. When you were like at the biggest of stages, you know, I, I was watching your match from the 2014 Worlds against Mohamedian um, or at the NCAA finals where like stakes are highest. What's going through your mind like the 10 minutes before a match? Are you someone who's trying to stay empty mind or do you have like a routine that you kind of go through to get yourself ready? Uh, I just, I try to stay empty. Um, if I do think of anything or, or if I'm trying to go over anything, I always, I always um, visualize like myself doing my moves and then doing it completely, like all the way, like every single step. Like if I'm doing a high crotch, I'm like, okay, high crotch. And I'm thinking about the smaller details, like shoulders in the crotch, um, hips are in, my my chest is up, and I'm like, you know, and I I would just feel myself doing that, but then right before the match, I would just try to block out everything, because I, I like when I walked out there, I was like, anytime that I walk out there, I'm only me, and I only prepared up to this point, so I can only perform. And what happens, happens. The decision's already made. And, like, it just helped me go out there and just have fun. It look, Man, that's what it looked like when you were wrestling, just effortlessly flowing through positions, cradles from everywhere. Um, and so, as a lot of people know, after you were done wrestling, you ended up going into MMA. Where were you training at, like, when you were in the thick of your Bellator schedule? Was it AKA or? AKA. You were. Mm-hmm. Tell us about this, that gym. I mean, you go from one world-class gym to another, what was like the the atmosphere inside AKA when you were out there? Uh, it was awesome. They got they have a great competitive atmosphere out there. They spar like three times out the week, so it'll be Monday, Wednesday, Friday. There would be a spar, and 
you know, those guys, they always came ready to bang. It's like, it was almost like walking into the Penn State room. You know, everybody was ready to go. And the coach coach could be like, okay, guys, easy day today. And somebody would still be over there just teeing off on each other. (laughs) But, you know, you can't really, you can't teach that. You can't teach that, that competitiveness. That's what they had in there. You know, Penn State had a lot of that too. Any, Any guy who came in knew that, hey, even to be our backup, you better be a good wrestler because then somebody will just just eat you alive every single day in the room. God, dude. Then you factor in whenever Khabib was in town. How often would he be out there? Uh, whenever he had his fight. So I, I think there was about two or three times I was in there when he was in there. I got a chance to spar with him, move around with him. It's and it was it was awesome every time he came in because he will he will come in and he would have like a whole a whole uh, entourage of his brothers and friends and guys that he brought over from Dagestan. All these guys could fight a wrestler, do something, you know. So like whenever he came, there was plenty of pra- practice partners in the room. So he would just w- arrive with like an army of Dagestani fighters, basically. Pretty much. God. <laughs> <laughs> and like you said, any one of them is going to be able to do something, you know, at a yep. high level. Yep. Have you ever been over to Dagestan or Russia? No, I've been, I've been to, um, I went to Vladikaskov. I believe that's in Russia. And then I was over in um, Kazan. Okay. Now, obviously you, you had a great MMA career. Now you're into coaching at the University of Illinois. How did this come about? Like, did you have any idea, you know, this time last year that you'd be in Champaign right now? No, I did. This, uh, everything just kind of fell into place. Uh, it kind of seems like that happens a lot in my life, but, <laughs> but I left California. I drove from California all the way to, um, I was actually headed back to PA and I got a call from one of my sponsors and he re- redirected me and I ended up in North Carolina and he knew the college team out there. So I started talking with the college coach. He brought me on. I was teaching for a little bit. I was coaching with those guys and I was going to continue doing that. And then I got a call from one of the coaches out here. Um, Mike Poeta and then he just you know did you know him before that I didn't know him before that it was just I met him and he's one of those I don't know there's just certain people that you meet and you know that I'm like you're like we're gonna be good friends and we're gonna have and like you just want to be around that person when I met him I was like man I really felt I felt that strongly about it. I was like, I met you at a certain time. I met you at a time where I was kind of in this transition of like leaving one sport. Cause like, I, w- I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was like, I can continue fighting. I can, I can go back into wrestling. I can compete wrestling wise, or I can just do coaching or whatever, but I had options. And me, he just came along and asked me at the perfect time, like literally at the right time. Cause I was like, maybe I might coach. And then he's like, do you want to coach? And then I came out, I met him, I talked with him, I met his whole family. And it was just like, I was like, this is the next step. That's so exciting, man. And I got to imagine you probably didn't have a lot of thought about the university of Illinois before this. Like, had you ever been there? Did you ever experience the campus? Only, only when we came out here to wrestle. Mm, That makes sense. Yeah. But it's like, usually when I choose a place, I, I try not to choose it just because it's a good place. I try to choose it because of the people. So, so I'm like, if I can go out here and I can talk to people and meet people and like, I'm like, that's awesome. I was like, that's, that's exactly all I'm going to be. Cause like, I can, I can create strong relationships here. I can trust in these people. I can trust in their personalities, you know? And then, and that was like, when I chose, when I chose out here, I was like, okay, well, there's a lot of great people out here. I came out, met the team. There's a lot of great people out here. Yeah. 
No, it's a great group of guys. And, you know, Illinois, we're proud of our high school wrestling in Illinois. And so to, to see Poeta get the job, to see someone like yourself come in, you know, we're all really excited to see how the program's going to build and grow. What has, like, jumped out to you just since you've been working with the team and working with the guys? Well, a lot of these guys, they get a lot of their work in on their own. It's not there, – there was uh, – I mean, like I've been on teams where I'm like, dude, dude, this these guys don't work out at all. It's it's appalling. I'm surprised this is even a wrestling team, you know. But this is this is one of those teams where like every time I walk into the room, there's one other guy that's actually in there training or doing something. And I'm that makes me really proud. Cause I'm like, you know what, that makes my job as a coach a lot easier. Cause now I don't have to reach out to you and make sure these guys are getting their workouts and they're just kind of doing it on their own. I just gotta kind of like make sure they're getting a the recovery in and and they're just they're being smart about everything. And like, when you look at your role, would you say, are you going to be doing some recruiting, mostly in the room work, like running practices? How is that going to break up, do you think? Well, I'm, I'm trying to cover all my roles, you know, recruiting in the practice room, working with the guys, um, you know, and I'm always one of those guys. I believe that if you're if you're an athlete, that you're also like, um, you know, like like a sensei and a master. You know, whenever, whenever, whenever the student will come in, they come in, they clean, they train, they clean afterwards, they kept the place clean, you know, and I always, I was always a full believer in stuff like that. You know, I, I, I come in, I'll train with the guys, I'll clean the room, help or help them clean the room, keep everything organized. And then, you know, so I, I just like to cover all the areas. Well, I can't wait to see you in there and to see you on the sideline at the duels and it's sweet. Illinois is going to be wrestling at, what we know as a uh, not Huff Hall um, Assembly Hall, it's called the State Farm Center now. But you know the duels used to be at Huff Hall, and so that's going to be switched. I know there's a uh, talks of potentially fundraising, huh? I said that's going to be nice. That's Big nice, thing. yeah, bro. I mean, you know, as an Illinois man, Assembly Hall is where the state tournament's at every year, right? So that's the only time you see wrestling there is for the high school state tournament when half mile away. You know, the Fighting Illini are wrestling in Huff Falls. So I think that's a big, uh, big momentum boost. I had a couple of one-off questions I've been dying to hit you with. So I figured we could wind down with that if that's good with you. That's fine. Shoot. Have you got your hands on any of Poeta's family's butcher meat yet? And if so, how does this compare to... Oh, man. <laughs> the Italian sausage is bomb. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it's phenomenal. I've never had it myself, so I had to get your thoughts on it. Oh, it's good, man. You you got to try some. If you ever get the chance, you got to go try some, man. He he had a cookout the other day and made a big old thing of, with uh, Italian sausages. Oh, man, they were so good. So good. I didn't even know meat could taste like that. They're legendary up here. I've uh, I've yet to go, but I may. Uh, that may be the final straw to get me over the hump. You got to do yourself a favor, man. Dude, you got to go out there. For real. <laughs> I, uh, and I wanted to ask you about this because I, I remember the first time I heard about you getting into MMA, it was when a picture of you and John Jones surfaced. And so I just wanted to ask you about, you know, what you remember about wrestling with John Jones back in the day and like what kind of feel he brought. Um, man, I just remember he was long. He was so long. Like I was usually when I'm shooting, I can just get down on the knee, reach and grab a leg like him. I had to actually shoot to get to his leg. And it's, it's very un, like it's not normal for me to have to cover ground, but like as soon as he would put his hands on me and just kind of like scoot his legs back a little bit, it felt like his, his legs were just like at least a foot from beyond my reach. But like his reach is crazy. I think mine's, my reach is probably like 80 across, 80 or 79. I think his is like about 82 or 85. God, dude, that's crazy. Like, 
insane length. And then on top of it, he's like crazy tall. I'm like, every time I'm trying to snap him down, like it's almost like I'm trying to like reach up and like hug my dad or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to pull his head down and, and set up my shots. But but he has a great feel though. He's he's still surprisingly very athletic. And I love hearing that like when you were fighting, you would go back to your wrestling more so than a lot of wrestlers do. Like a lot of wrestlers seem to like get away from it and do more striking um, in the cage or in the octagon. Not everyone, but you see that a lot. I've heard you say that you found like new wrestling techniques that were more fighting focused when you were in the thick of it. Yeah. And, but, but I mean, like just, just wrestling overall in fighting is different. It's nothing like the fighting. Like it's not nothing like regular wrestling. Right. I can't do my setups or, or like snap a guy down and look for an ankle pick. Like in fighting, usually it's ruled by doubles and single legs, you know? Like, and if I do get that single leg, I got to make sure I get your feet off the ground. Cause once we start getting those scrambling, scrambling positions and you're all sweaty and everything, you don't have shoes on, you lose a lot of takedowns. These guys just slip out. And the cage has got to be so different, right? Like the clinch against the cage. Yeah, that changes a lot too. Usually, I'm I'm used to some guys like falling down. Like other guys will wait till they get to the cage, and they 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 like it because then they can use the cage to kind of brace themselves. They they get a breather, or they'll wedge. There's like a little a little like um a little section where you can like wedge your foot in between the cage and the mat, and then guys can't like pull your leg out from underneath you. So there's like all two little types of tricks in there. That's some inside baseball right there to really. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Real inside stuff. So whenever you see that guy sitting along the cage and his pinky toes missing, it's, it's wedged right there in between the, <laughs> the canvas and the, and the cage. And what, a, you know, in the, in, the, in the realm of MMA, you know, I know you did some jujitsu. I don't know if you're still doing it, but when you got in the gi, like what was one of the, because I'm getting into jujitsu and the gi was always very confusing for me. Now I've just like learned to accept it. But like, what were some of your first impressions of jujitsu in the gi, like your first year into it? I hated it my first year, just because like every time I was going with anybody, like especially a black belt, they would, they would, they would take advantage of holding on to the grips. Oh, so annoying. Yeah. And I just couldn't, like, I would just, I would go for a perfect double leg, grab them, take them down. And then they would just grab something, like anything, like my sleeve, and I just couldn't get my arm free, or I couldn't, I couldn't just like keep progressing until I found my, until I found my submission. It was, it was always like, oh, I had to get his toe out of my lapel, or I had to <laughs> get his fingers out of my, out of my sleeve, and they'll, they'll grab your sleeve, and then they roll their fingers in there, and it's like it's they got little monkey grips, man, and and the flexibility that you have in jujitsu is just nothing, nothing compared. Like wrestling doesn't appear at all. Like right. we can't do with our legs. Like the, some of the things that guys in jiu-jitsu can do. Like their their flexibility is incredible. And when I was going for like, I mean, like just having my regular guard was hard in the beginning because I, I I couldn't lock my legs around people. I was like, <laughs> I needed some more. I had tight hip flexors at the time. So you know, if I had a guy that was that was kind of like heavyweight or about, I don't know about won 200 pounds and he had a wide waist i couldn't lock my legs around him so i had to like play butterfly guard the whole time dude that's funny you say that because you know let, let locking uh you know locking guard is hard but like let alone some guys who are throwing legs across for triangles it's like how do they do that without their legs cramping up at first it's such a weird position to put your legs in it really is but you you just build up the uh that conditioning it's just like with boxing when you throwing your first couple punches after those first 10 punches your shoulders are screaming 
And it's the same thing with, with jiu-jitsu, you know, those, some of those guys would sit there and they will be upside down on their back, like for 10 minutes. And that's, that's the whole world. That's their whole technique. They strategy. live there, like, bro. Oh. It's like, yeah. I'm like, yo, I'm so tired. Just, just throw my legs up twice. And I'll try to get you to the triangle. Do you still roll at all? Um, yeah, I still roll. Gi or no gi? Uh, no gi for right now. I haven't put the gi back on for a while. That, that gi gets hot. Dude, it does. It's such a, it's like you either just got to accept it and use it as a tool. And, you know, some of the lapel chokes are pretty sweet. But at the beginning, it, you're just thinking in your head, you're like, man, if you couldn't hold on to my gi, I would be destroying you right now. You're just stalling with this gi hold. Mm-hmm. But then exactly. that just gets in your head and you're getting so frustrated. But uh, yeah, it's, I, I, you know, that video of you rolling at one of the, ibjf pan ams or something always sticks in my head because i'm like why would he not just do no gi if he's going to be fighting anyway like why did you go gi uh well they told me that they because they said if you do gi you'll learn all the proper holds you'll learn how to you'll, you'll learn jujitsu and then you it'll be that much easier to kind of tie your wrestling and everything together so i, I wanted to do everything like down to his like four like his core fundamentals so I, I I would like I did everything in sections. Like I, I started I tried to learn boxing by itself, mm-hmm. like just pure pure boxing with pure boxers. And then I would do jujitsu with just pure jujitsu guys, and I would do the gi and all that. And most of the wrestlers hated gi, hated it. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? If I'm going to get better at it, I'm just going to do this with the gi because I know that if I can do this with the gi and get better and graduate with the gi, then I'll do better with the, with the no gi. Yeah. So I was trying to get my belts through the gi. So you were like taking it serious, like just going through the steps and being a true jujitsu player, essentially. Yeah. Wow. That's exciting, man. Well, I just love that, that you're in the state of Illinois. We're going to be seeing you around high school tournaments, college tournaments, and obviously all the Illinois duels. Um, Can't wait to get down there and meet you in person, man. Ed Ruth, thank you for your time, my friend. No problem, man. Thanks for having me on. Have a great day. You too. That's the end of this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. Thank you so much for tuning in. To see video clips from this interview, go to Instagram at Wrestling Changed My Life. As always, Wrestling Changed My Life is proudly presented by Spartan Combat. Please go to SpartanCombat.com to support this show.